Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Football.com and the DLF family of podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. We have been scratching an itch here on the Super Show for me for a while now. This It's been very self-indulgent, but I've gotten a lot of great responses on it, so we're going to keep going. I have been telling you, I just want to talk strategy. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of talking player names. I'm tired of talking player values. Let's talk some straight up strategy. Now we're going to get to some, we're still going to have some player names today. I don't know how you don't with, uh, with the guests that I have on, I don't know how you don't talk about the future of the, of the NFL landscape and of fantasy football, dynasty football. I don't know how you, how you don't, but uh, what I can also tell you about Katie flower, the diva of Debbie, at FF underscore Skyler 399. And it's so good to have Katie back here. But one thing I I, I can say about you, Katie, that uh, I, I I have taken a lot of uh, of strategy um, away from from things that you say. And uh, and you know, I use it, I've I've kind of incorporated it into my own strategies. Um and I, I sometimes I don't know that that's necessarily what you're even going for, <laughs> but uh, but it but it happens. And so I happen to know that there's a ton of strategy in that mind of yours, um, and uh, and that's why I felt like uh, you would be a very very good guest um, to uh, to continue on this trend of talking strategy here on the Superflex Super Show. So welcome, and uh, thank you for coming back. Well, thank you, John. And yes, uh, I definitely think that one of the one of the things that I bring to the dynasty table and the Debbie table is my strategy talk. Uh, I don't have projection models. I don't do rankings like other people do. Um, yes, I have my feel for which players I like better than others. And certainly, when I draft, I I put together tiers and groups of players. But I've only once tried to do published rankings as part of a Debbie uh, project. And it was fun, but it's not something that I'd want to do every day. So for <laughs> me, 
for me, what I love talking about, and I'm very excited to be on this show with you, is I love talking about strategy, strategy behind Debbie, the strategy behind Dynasty, and what is it that you're trying to do? And I think that if more owners had a little better focus on the strategy aspect of it, they would be better owners of their teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We've been saying on this show for the last several weeks uh, that, you know, it, it, and it don't, it almost doesn't even matter what your strategy is, as long as you have some strategy, as long as you incorporate some strategy, way too many people. And they, they almost wear it as a, like a badge of honor that, yeah, I just, I just take it as it comes. You know, I do the startup, um, just kind of, you know, take what they give me. And uh, to me, it's that's just a recipe for failure. Reacting to what other people is doing. I mean, I guess it's a strategy <laughs> technically, but you're you're really just kind of letting this happen to you where we want to be in control. We want to be in the driver's seat. We want to have a plan and we want to go execute it. And to me, you know, having some type of strategy whether it's it's you know one that that you take away from uh, from SFD here or one that you take away from Katie Flower, the diva of Debbie, or not, it, it just have something you know. So like I, I but I think that we can kind of um, start to uh, we can we can provide kind of some building blocks. Right. So one of my favorite things and. You know, I don't know if you want me to just go ahead and take the lead here for a minute, but sure. um, when I'm in a startup that has a Devi component, hopefully a, a decent size Devi component where I can start building a taxi squad out. Uh, but one of the things that I do in that startup, if it's especially super flex, maybe start too tight end, I look at the overall format, the scoring. I look at how many starters that you need, the deeper number of starters that you need. That means that chasing those early round studs may not be in your best interest. You want more pieces. Year one is the least meaningful in Dynasty because it's a crapshoot. It's like a redraft league, but yet a lot of people try to go young or balance or do whatever it is that they're doing. And only one person can walk away the winner that first year. And that may be partially because of luck, because of lack of injuries to their starters. But very doubtful it's because they just drafted, you know, they traded up and traded up and traded up and just only got studs. So my philosophy is I reverse engineer my startup draft based on the hardest positions to hit on in Devi. So if it is super flex and start to tight end, those are the two hardest positions to hit on in Devi. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take NFL players that I can build a core around at both of those positions. And the positions I'm going to fade are running back and wide receiver, more so running back because it's the easiest position to hit in a Devi draft now and in the future. I love that. And wide receivers are the second easiest and, and they're also more easily replaceable. Mm -hmm. So I would want to get my quarterbacks to the greatest extent so that I don't have to go chasing in the college marketplace, the myriad of 
college quarterbacks out there that more than likely aren't even going to make it to round one of an NFL draft. So same thing with tight end. There's only like a 6% hit rate on tight ends coming out of college. And they take so long to develop. Most dynasty owners are not patient enough to wait that long and they trade off the player or the pick long before it even sees fruition, which that can be profitable. That can be good. But again, if you've got to start two tight ends, you don't want to be chasing your tail. You mm-hmm. want to have them up front. Yeah. And not only that, if it, it, in recent years, um, you know, we, we've, we've kind of fell into this trend now where, you know, wide receivers are breaking out in year one. It used to be you wait a couple of years. It wait, you used to wait until year two, year three for the breakout to see what you've got. Um, running backs, this has always been the case. It's always been, you know, you you get a pretty good idea. You're not going to get their peak performance in, in year one, but you're, it's going to get pretty close most of the time. And now we're getting that from wide receivers too. So I, that's even more benefit to having those guys on your, on your Devi and on, on your taxi squad, because you're going to figure out pretty fast what you have. Whereas with a quarterback and a tight end, even if they do, you know, even if they do make it to, uh, you know, uh, uh, even if they do end up with a draft capital to actually matter, to actually be viable, it, you still, you, you're not going to know for sure what you've got you know, probably until year two or year three in most cases. Or the end of their rookie contract in a a lot of both of those. A lot of cases. Quarterback, there's no such thing as getting comfortable at quarterback. You look at guys that started off fairly hot. They were in first and second round of startups. Guys like Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield. They were all anointed long before – They ever did anything consistently, and now look at them. They're middle of the pack or later in the pack, and they're pariahs. You can't get anything for them anymore, even in Superflex. Mm -hmm. And yet, at one point, they were really hot commodities. You look at guys that have done it over and over again, that's where you're going to get the value. I'd much rather have a Derek Carr or a Kirk Cousins than a crapshoot rookie or Debbie quarterback just again Mm -hmm. because of the length of time it's going to take before you even really know what you've got if you don't sell right at the right time you're going to end up screwing yourself and potential teams so uh again just recognizing which positions are the easiest to fill from the college ranks and the rookie debt future rookie Debbie drafts even though they're going to be Debbie depleted to a certain point. There's always guys that fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. There's so many guys in college. You cannot possibly scout them all or account for them all. Yeah. We talked about this uh, a little earlier in the off season uh, last year. Um, and I, I thought then I wish that we had had this conversation so much sooner uh, because I wouldn't have, freaking Brock Purdy still taking up a taxi squad spot on my, on my, uh, in my Devi league. But um, I, I mean, it's drop city for him at this point, but I know. All right. So, so we're, we're, we're saying stay away from quarterbacks. Um, Just be judicious. I'm not saying stay away from them completely. I'm, but 
you do want to be judicious is all. Yeah. So that was going to be my question. What does that look like to be judicious? How do you do that? How do, and I, 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 this is even your pinned tweet. I, I, I believe, um, and I don't remember what the, what the poll results were, but you were basically, you were asking, you know, what do you look for in a quarterback that you were, that you're willing to put on your Debbie squad? And I want to pose that question to you. Um, I, you know, I think that right now we've got, uh, there's a very good example of a guy in Arch Manning as somebody who uh, a lot of people are, you know, as soon as he's eligible to be on a, on a, a Devi squad. So in campus to Canton, I imagine he's already, he's already eligible. Um, or, or maybe he has to, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, do they have to actually commit? I'm, I, I, you would know that's that stuff better than I would, but uh, is there, is there anything there that, you that would make you feel comfortable uh investing in an 18 year old um maybe even just the last name manning <laughs> <laughs> well one of them was good the other one sucked um so yeah. i mean yeah he, he ended up winning a super bowl but was he really a fantasy relative? yeah it wasn't great uh, yeah not really yeah um, not very often so my pinned tweet was for those that play debbie uh, what do you look like? What do you look for when drafting a quarterback? Five star rated was 32%. Starter as a freshman was 25%. Top five in stats was 25%. And power five school was 18%. Yeah. And I just want to share before I start about what do I look for and who would I take a shot on? A lot of it does depend on the format, the depth of the taxi squad, where I'm picking, and what pick I'd have to use, who would I have to not get if I took a shot on that quarterback? So top 10 fantasy quarterbacks, let's start right there. Mm -hmm. The top 10 fantasy quarterbacks, according to DLF rankings, Patrick Mahomes is number one. He was a three-star prospect. Josh Allen is number two. He was a three-star prospect. Justin Herbert, number three. He was a three-star prospect. And hmm. I think you can argue those top three. You, some may have Josh Allen ahead of Mahomes or Herbert ahead of Allen. But those are the top three. In, in That's DLF, but that's pretty much consensus across every site that I see. Number four, Joe Burrow, four-star athlete. Number five, Lamar Jackson, three-star. The first five-star is Kyler Murray. And as a Debbie player, he was also a baseball player and had an MLB contract. So there was question whether or not he was going football or baseball. And that kind of made people a little bit hesitant to own him as a Debbie player. Dak Prescott is next, at, and he's a three-star. Trey Lance, three-star. Trevor Lawrence, he's ninth overall, and he really didn't have a great first year but he's the other five-star in, in that. And then Russell Wilson rounds out the top 10. Guess what? He's a three-star also. So three-star hmm. or less, 70% of the top quarterbacks in Dynasty, 70% of them are three-star or less. So we want three stars, not five. <laughs> not necessarily even that, though, because the, the problem then, John, the problem yeah. then is there's 2,000 three-star athletes out there in the college ranks. Right. Yeah. So then absolutely. how do you figure out which three star that you're going to target? That's yeah. my whole point is yeah. very, very difficult. 
So rather than go for the five-star guys that are four years away, like the Quinn Ewers and the Arch Mannings, maybe Arch Manning will get there. Maybe Quinn Ewers will get there. I get a little bit of a Johnny Manziel vibe from Quinn Ewers, but with Hmm. NIL and the amount of money these kids are going to be making, that can change them too. Yeah, that's a great point. That can really change how they react and play at the college level to even give them the chance to play at the NFL level. So what's between the ears is the biggest thing that we can't scout, and that's the biggest thing that separates these guys from their competition. Now, guys like Josh Rosen and uh, Jameis Winston, and I mentioned Marcus Mariota and and some of these other guys, they were five-star, and yeah, they ended up being first-round draft picks, maybe 101 overall, and they were pretty good fantasy assets for a little bit, but now look at them. So it again, the market just, you're going to have to ebb and flow. So what, I, what I'm saying is, I'd rather spend the draft capital early in my Debbie drafts on a running back, which is a 35% hit rate, where a five-star prospect actually matters more because of the top 10 running backs. And this isn't just the top 10. I've been researching this for years, but 40% of the top 10 running backs, 40% are five-star, 30% are four-star So 70% of the top 10 are either four or five star. Mm -hmm. And so that is predictive. That is a lot more predictive. And because there's a lot less five star, then you look at their size and their profile and their stats from high school. And you can kind of look at their film and figure out, okay, of the pecking order, I like this running back better than this running back. But running backs are also a pretty good trade commodity, even Mm -hmm. in super flex. People need running backs and you can get a pretty good price for them. So my point is I would rather have a taxi squad full of the position that's easiest to hit on yep, and then make trades for what I need when I need it. Yep. But I just, I just finished up a rookie Debbie combination draft. It's a league that's been established for uh, several years. So I've already got a pretty good taxi squad. I had four picks inside the Debbie line and actually I ended up getting lucky because my fifth pick turned into inside that Debbie line. Cause we can only have a total of 75 in the league on any given time. And there were a couple rookies that were taken. So I ended up with a second to last Debbie. So I got a bonus pick, but my first four guys are all running backs. And then on my fifth pick in the fourth round, I took a shot on Tyler Van Dyke, quarterback out of Miami. Mm -hmm. Now, why did I take a shot on him? He's starting to get a little bit of first-round buzz. His stats are fairly decent. He was a four-star guy, and he was available. He's somebody that can escalate a lot in just one year. Whether or not he makes it to the NFL as a first, if he gets more and more buzz before Mm. the NFL draft, I could even – trade him before the NFL draft next year for a profit over that fourth round pick that I used. So Van Dyke is going to be class of 2023. 
Yeah, he could potentially be now. Oh, he'll be eligible, but he's eligible okay. whether okay. he comes out. Right. So yeah. that's the other thing with Debbie. If you're banking on, hey, they're eligible in the first year in 2023, they will come out. They're going to probably get stuck on your taxi squad for an extra year. That happens mm. a lot. So mm. I, I don't worry so much, especially if it's a taxi squad of 15 or greater. At that point, I'll carry them as long as I need to carry them. They, it's it's like to me their assets in the bank and you just wait until it's time to cash in on them yeah yeah so i guess so it sounds like kind of the more the more we actually get to see them at the college level the more likely you are and again i mean you know it sounds like that late it wasn't a big investment so you know that that still plays into it i mean we're we're just kind of starting with uh just kind of implicitly um, you know, I'll, I'll make it explicit here. <laughs> we're, 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 we're still saying wide receivers and running backs. Uh, that's, that's really kind of what, what you want to load your, uh, your Debbie squad with. But, you know, if you were going to start to look at quarterbacks, I, it sounds like part of the problem with eight, with Arch Manning, is, for instance, is there's just not enough information yet. And so, I mean, you're just kind of accepting the fact that in leagues where he's eligible to be drafted in a Debbie draft, you're going to miss on him. And that, you know, even if you get that wrong, that's, that's kind of okay because, you know, back to, back to the whole point of this strategy process, we're sticking to that, you know? Right. And do I, do I honestly think that there's not going to be another buy opportunity for Arch Manning sometime in the next, let's say seven years, because yeah. four years in college, three years, maybe that he's going to sit behind Quinn Ewers or somebody's going to have to end up transferring, but he's going to sit for at least a year, if not two years behind Quinn Ewers before he gets his opportunity to start at Texas, if he stays at Texas. And then he's got to be the next coming of Andrew Luck to hit the ground running and never get a, a secondary buy opportunity. Or even if I have to pay three firsts at the time when I trade for him in the future, if that's the direction that I want to take, at least then I know what I've got and it's worth investing. You know, maybe those three firsts are three first round running backs that I took in my Debbie draft. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying mm -hmm. you want to have, you want to have as much liquidity in your assets that you can trade when you need to, to get the players that you need. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense too. Well, I, I feel like we can kind of use that as a way to, to transition ever so slightly. Actually, you know what? I'm not quite ready. They're not quite ready to shift back to the pro game just yet, because I want to get your thoughts on NIL on this transfer portal that all of a sudden is extremely active is is that affecting your strategy at all? Is that affecting the way that you're approaching Debbie at all? Not, not a lot. It just m makes for more concern. I like the fact that the kids are getting an opportunity to transfer and start somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that the kids are getting the opportunity to make some money on their name and, and, maybe go to a smaller school that would be a better fit where they can develop as a player. And it may be, you know, you go to a, a team like Alabama and then you sit 
for two to three years before you get your opportunity. You may never get your opportunity, but if you can play for a smaller school and still get some notoriety through NIL, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. And as far as if a player transfers, it just gives them more opportunity to start sooner. So that's a benefit, not a detriment. But it also, like a lot of people try to predict who's going to be the next starting quarterback at Ohio State or who's going to be the next quarterback at Alabama, when the question really should be is if Alabama and Ohio State recruit those guys and they're sitting behind somebody that's a starter and then they transfer, because they were recruited by such a big school, you you know they've got to have some pretty good skill set you look at their high school stats and their film and you like them transferring just again, gives them an opportunity to start. Once you start putting up those college stats, that's what's going to attract the attention of the NFL, mm-hmm. not sitting on the bench for Ohio state for three years. Yeah. So if anything, it's really just kind of giving us more, uh, more viable prospects We're you know, we're just kind of shuffling them around. They're all landing in, opportunities where they can start they can get some tape you know um it's just it like it feels like college football is already starting to adjust to this a little bit and and i i mean maybe maybe not um i just see you know caleb williams transferring to usc and you all you you know then you've got keaton slovis there It, it it feels like maybe they're loading up a little bit just in case one of you know somebody leaves and it, 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 it just feels like that's the type of thing, like we're going to get some momentum in, in that type of direction, you know, just as much as we strategize in fantasy football there, they have to strategize in, in, you know, in real life football, they're trying to figure out how do we navigate having players jumping into the transfer portal every freaking season. And, uh, and I mean, it's, and it's it's just way too conceptual. It's way too early at this point. I get that, but it just it 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 just feels like cause for concern when you start to see, you know, multiple guys ending up on the same roster together at the same position, uh, with the same type of pedigree. It just makes you wonder what they're up to. But uh, it sounds like it. Uh, it I mean, like you said, it, they they still end up ultimately. Like ultimately, we're gonna see both Caleb Williams and Keaton Slovis as starters somewhere. Probably, you know, different schools starting at the same time, which is a good thing for us. Yeah, I mean, you look at Caleb Williams transferring. A lot of that is because his coach transferred there, and so he's probably got the edge. I would think that he's gonna be the starter there without much question, and Keaton Slovis is gonna have to find another place or, or just sit behind and and not have the seniors. He's older. I think he's only got one year left of eligibility. Uh, But, you know, some guys it is going to screw. It is going to end up. But if you can't beat out the competition on your own team, no matter where you are, you're not going to start. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yet again, it, uh, it everything's turning up for us, uh, us dynasty players, um, just making things easier for us. So, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people when Justin Fields went to Georgia and Jake Fromm was there and uh, Jacob Eason 
was there. You know, everybody was like, well, why did he do that? He really felt he could win the starting job, but he wasn't the right fit for that offense. Kirby Smart is not a running quarterback type offensive coach. He's not. He's mm-hmm. got he has a big offensive line and he's got horses in the running back position. He wants his quarterback to just be a pocket passer that isn't going to make mistakes. And, and, you know, Jake Fromm is now a clipboard holder in the NFL. Justin Fields is a starter and a much more dynamic athlete, but yet Jake Fromm beat out Justin Fields in college. So even if you get beat out, Joe Burrow got hurt early in Ohio state and then transferred to LSU and ended up being fine. And he cream rises to the top, but it's about opportunity and it's about uh, the right fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's, let's uh, move to, like I said, I feel like we can kind of segue here to the pro game a little bit, but we still have kind of an eye on 2023 and honestly at this point an eye on 2024 as well. And uh, my position on this has been, you know, for the last several months that the reason for this, so we're, uh, you know, just to put it in, in perspective a little bit, we're basically seeing 2023 rookie picks right now in dynasty leagues. They've achieved full value at this point. Like you have to give up a, you know, a a long-term starter in most cases to get one of those picks and the random picks. We don't even know where they're going to be. I mean, I I think that people miss the boat a little bit. They try and value a pick that they're, that they're trading for as, you know, potentially being one oh one, And that's, that's kind of the wrong way to go about it. I, you know, buy it as if it's going to be one of the last, you know, three or four picks right. in the first round, sell it as if it's going to be one one definitely go for that, but buy it as if it's going to be a late pick, but uh, you know, we're, but yeah, we're, we're just seeing these picks already. These random 2023 picks, you know, they've achieved full value already, which usually doesn't happen until, I mean, basically right around the NFL draft, sometimes even when the pick is on the clock itself. And, you know, we're, we're kind of already there a year early. And my take on it has been, this is what happens when you get such a weak class coming in. It, it, it just sends ripple effects through your league for several years. 2022 is is causing uh, it's causing economic problems in our uh, uh, in our fantasy leagues it's causing inflation in our in our dynasty leagues uh and that's not going to go away until we get you know one or two reasonable classes again and part of the problem is it's it's not that these were bad players in 2022 there's some gonna there's gonna be some great wide receivers, but we had those. We had plenty of those. We need quarterbacks, we need running backs, especially now. 2017 running backs are getting old. 20, you know, quarterbacks just in general are losing their jobs all over the place. We need we need refreshment at those positions, and we didn't get it in 2022. And so now people are kind of looking to 2023 for that. And so I think that I, I mean I'm I'm curious of your thoughts on that, but also beyond that, I'm I'm 
I'm curious just kind of how, you know, having having watched the players that are at least going to be draft eligible and likely going to enter the NFL draft in 2023, having seen them and having scouted them at this point, you know, throughout their college careers, how far off do you feel like we are with this, with with uh, the way we're valuing these these 2023 draft picks? Well, again, it's all relative. I try not to buy, part of my strategy is I try not to buy high on players unless they've proven it year over year for at least a few years. And I'm all in on guys like Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes because they've done it. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather have that asset if people are overvaluing the 2023 first, or even if they're valuing them fairly because it is a strong class and what the dynasty community, it seems as consensus, what they consider a good class is when it's strong at quarterback and running back Mm -hmm. wide receivers are a dime a dozen. They're going to have certain strengths. Uh, This year's class. I agree with you. The strength was wide receiver, but if the strength of the class is wide receiver, that's a meh dynasty that, that does that's, nothing for us right yeah. exactly so it is a very very strong running back class and it's a decent to strong quarterback class mm-hmm. and the the thing with the quarterbacks you've got a couple towards the top and then there's so many question marks about who's gonna be the three four five and how many of them will end up being first round nfl we had a couple years in a row where we had five first round NFL quarterbacks. That makes a big difference in your rookie drafts and in dynasty in general. Not all of them are going to hit. Usually on average about two per year end up making it past their rookie contract as a viable starter that you could trust. Mm-hmm. And so guys like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young They're the very top of the class. I still have faith in Spencer Rattler. He's got a new gig in uh, South Carolina. He's going to be playing in the SEC this year and away from his coach and potential toxic situation that became Oklahoma. But then you've got, you know, DJ Uyunglele from Clemson who had a bomb, horrible season last year after really good, but he was built up. He was hyped up as a Debbie player and then all of a sudden tanked. Spencer Rattler was way up there and then he tanked. Although I do, I, you look at his stats, they're not as bad as Uyunglele. So Rattler still has that core. Will he learn from this humbling experience? That's the biggest thing. He needs the kick in the pants. Let's hope he got that or is getting that. Uh, So those are, those are the main guys that the 2023 class has to offer, but you got guys like Phil Dracovic and Tyler Shuck and Grayson McCall and even KJ Jefferson from Arkansas is a, a, a deep, deep sleeper, dark horse guy. You know, he's been training at the Manning Academy this offseason and Arkansas's offense is going to be really good. They've been recruiting. They got Jaden Hazelwood as a transfer from Oklahoma and, you know, could potentially be filling that Traylon Burks role. You got a very good running game. They're really starting to look good as a team. 
KJ Jefferson is a big, strong, rushing quarterback. And again, I'm not, I'm not telling people to go out and draft him. I'm just saying I wouldn't be that surprised if he was in the running for potential first round candidacy. Now he's not being talked like that yet, but if he starts to get that buzz, again, how's it all going to shake out? Who are the guys that are falling through the cracks that could potentially be there? I think Tyler Van Dyke, another one. A lot of people like Anthony Richardson out of Florida. He's a rushing quarterback. He's an athlete, but man, the kid really, he he's like Jalen Hurts light when it comes to his passing ability or mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson light. And those two are not that accurate as, as passers. That's their one thing. Will they develop enough as a passer to continue to go beyond their rookie contract? We'll, we'll find out. But so there's beyond the first couple guys, there's a lot of question marks, but the running backs, there's at least five or six running backs that have stud potential. And, and it's more than just B. John Robinson and, and Jameer Gibbs. And, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, it, so it sounds like it could be a, another pretty deep first round. Like I, I, I imagine, and this is kind of a good way to, uh, to kind of put things in perspective. I think I've had people ask me, do you think 2023 is going to be better than 2021? And my answer is no. Um, I mean, I think that the running backs are more kind of on the level of 2020, uh, but you you don't have a Trevor Lawrence um, and, you know, for whatever that's worth, because Trevor Lawrence has been nothing so far at the NFL level. Um, but again, but, it's year one. We can't judge yeah, him on year for one, sure. especially for sure. that coaching situation and everything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it doesn't seem like the quarterback position is going to be quite as deep. Uh, you've got some, you've got some really good wide receivers coming in, but yep. Do you have somebody who walks in as a top 10 dynasty wide receiver like Jamar Chase did? Do you, and then possibly, maybe really, you think yeah. so? But, could potentially. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, and then, and then there's Kyle Pitts. I mean, they, there's, as far as I can tell, there's not a Kyle Pitts coming anytime. Those soon. are so rare. Like everybody <laughs> is going to be searching for Kyle Pitts now for the next 20 years. Yep. That's yep. how rare that, the last time we got it, it was Vernon Davis, and look how that turned out. So, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I, but I mean, I guess the point, uh, the uh, Kyle Pitts wasn't wasn't really a wasn't a target for me in those rookie drafts, but uh, his value was in the fact that he he took up a first round pick, an early first round pick. Somebody else took him, you know, usually in the top five, which pushed some of these quarterbacks to me. It pushed. You know, Travis Etienne down a little bit, pushed Javante Williams down, pushed Jalen Waddle down, which turned out to be a huge value. So I and I, I'm not even saying that Kyle Pitts was a bad pick, but, uh, you know, the where uh, where he had the most value for me personally was the fact that somebody had to waste a first round pick on him, an early first round pick, which gave me access to more of the players that I would actually target. So so it's it's good to have things like that even though we're not necessarily looking for that for our own personal rosters and i i'm guessing that that we don't have that so but it i mean it sounds like in your mind 
2021 and 2023 are still very close overall. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be – I agree with you that it's going to be weaker at quarterback potentially, but there's so much that can happen given one more year. If if a, if a some of these questionable quarterbacks post a really strong season to go with what they've already got, it could change the whole landscape. It's tough to predict exactly right now, and that's, that's the whole joy of Debbie – and the whole frustration all rolled into one. There is no, there is no easy button. You got to put in the time. You got to put in the research. And even that isn't always going to pay off. Yeah. Yeah. So back to kind of comparing 2020. Well, not, we're not even comparing 2023 to 2022. I, I don't think that there's no a great way to do that. 2023 is, is going to... I I I like the running backs in next year's class a yeah. lot. I like them a lot. Yeah. So if you if you combine the you know the the top the you know kind of first round dynasty super super flex the 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 wide receivers running backs quarterbacks obviously and then if there are any tight ends. Um, who do kind of who you who you feel like do have or at least should have first round type of value uh, and obviously not knowing landing spots but if you do that do you feel like it adds up to 12 players like do we have 12 players because that's kind of what we're doing at this point is we're trading away players who would help us this year you know good like i said good young players i you know i i think I don't like Keenan Allen is a guy that I don't think you're I don't think you're going to get a first round pick for Keenan Allen. And he's he's the type of guy who helps you go win a championship this year. You know, so basically, if if somebody was willing to make that move, you're taking away their first round pick, you're giving them Keenan Allen, you're making that pick later and possibly turning it into, you know, the 12th pick, the last pick of the first round. Is that, is, is this rookie class going to be deep enough that that is a viable move to make, that that's a reasonable move to make, to give up that type of scoring, even for one year, two years, whatever. Um, and, you know, risk this being, again, the last pick of the first round. No, I, I, first of all, I don't think that people would give you a first for Keenan Allen. Uh, to be quite honest, he's, he's on the older side. He's more of a super bridge type player and you'd be looking to package maybe a, a lesser player and then plus a different pick. But I don't yeah. think you're going to find very many people that would straight up trade even a late first for Keenan Allen. But that well, being said, no, I wouldn't, um, I try very hard to hold on to my draft picks for as long as I can, even if I'm a contender and I need to shore up a position right mm -hmm. now, it's July 13th. Yeah. We're not setting lineups. We haven't gone through camp. We don't know who's going to be injured. We don't know for sure who on our roster that we're, you know, right now it's just on paper. And this is not the time of year 
to buy guys with a first round future pick because it can go south very quickly mm-hmm. with a couple of injuries to your roster. All of a sudden you think you were strong and now you've gone sideways and that pick becomes the one Oh five or, or whatever you, you miss your shot at the playoffs uh, because you, you blew it too soon. If I'm going to spend a first round pick from next year, it's going to be mid season when I know what I'm looking for and it's going to be for a player that's going to be more than just a couple years on my roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, part of the problem is Keenan Allen was kind of the first one that jumped into my mind. Cause I had somebody ask me, would you trade Keenan Allen for a 2023 first? And my answer was yes, but <laughs> I still, I, I, I still think that it warrants a conversation, but you know, maybe we can find a point where it does make a little bit more sense and uh, and and not even from the 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 perspective of the seller of the draft pick seller but the draft pick buyer you know giving up um giving up usable players and and I'm I mean I guess I the the my first question just so that we can kind of set the parameters a little bit is um, kind of what is that point for you what are who are who are some names who you would actually consider trading for trading a 2023 first to get well again i'd want to get the most bang for my 23 first so i'd want to try to get a player like justin jefferson or jamar chase or now not straight up i'd have to add something else but i'd rather chip up and be real get a real dynasty asset that is productive and younger that can be on my team for a longer time. But I mean, it, it also depends. Did I just take over an orphan? If I just took over an orphan and I don't have a whole lot of assets on that team, then yes, I will try to trade a guy like Keenan Allen for the most bang that I can get because they're going to hold me back. If, if my orphan truly stinks across the board and I only have a couple of aging players, then I don't feel that I need them on my team or want them on my team because the likelihood that I earn the 101 goes up if I trade the guy like Keenan Allen. Yep. And then I also add another first to my arsenal to go with my potential 101. And then let's say that the only other player that I've got is maybe Mike Williams or somebody else in that range. And again, try to get the best combination of assets that you can, but not everybody's just taken over an orphan. If I've had a team for a while, I, I don't, I don't rip my teams apart and break them down. I try to keep them and sustain them for a long period of time so that I always have a good mix, a good balance between here are my producers and then here are the guys on my bench that will hopefully become producers or can become part of a trade that can get me another producer if I need to because of an injury. But I don't want to be buying on credit. Dynasty is, you don't want to get in the habit of buying on credit. Selling future picks is buying on credit. I'd rather be a contender, have a strong team, win my league, and still have my first. Because Mm -hmm. guess what? Then it's only going to go up in value when it's on the clock. I may not end up taking that pick. I 
somebody may be in love with whoever's at that 12th spot next year while I'm on the clock. And they're willing to then give me, you know, somebody like Juju Smith-Schuster plus for that pick. Yeah. And I'll, because then I'm continually, I can decide to make the pick of the player or I can go with that other veteran. So I, I personally, as part of my strategy, try not to mortgage my future and certainly not too early. This time of year is not the time of year to be doing it. Yeah. That makes sense. So here's here here <laughs> here's a fun one, and uh, this is a real life scenario, I believe. I I you know I I anytime I I you know before when I'm you know when I'm uh, like mind mapping uh, potential um, converse topics of conversation and and uh, topics of interest for the for the podcast here. I always like to go back to, you know, where I'm at in my dynasty leagues, where I've been in my dynasty leagues back before I, you know, kind of changed my thought process and solidified my strategy a little bit more. And, you know, this is something that I, that I have dealt with in my leagues previously. And I'll be honest with you, Katie, this is something that I'm considering doing now. So I have some leagues where, um, and, and it, you know, if this is something that I came up with, I guarantee this is people, this is something that other people have thought of as well. So I've got some leagues where I had just an absolutely dreadful season in 2022 and, you know, potentially even lost some very usable players. Maybe I had, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, um, you know, retire on my roster. Um, you know, just as an example, but you know, I've, I've, uh, I, and it, you know, it was, it was bad enough in 2021. And then we get to the off season, I've got 101 or may, you know, maybe 102. And this draft class doesn't really present an opportunity for you to improve. Um, you know, certainly not a quarterback. If quarterback is is part of the problem or became part of the problem, 2022 did nothing to fix that. So you're really kind of looking at status quo going into the 2022 season here. What is to stop somebody from, because I think what it's going to take to get to the 101 in 2023 is to commit to it now. What would stop somebody from doing that? What would stop somebody from, you know, making sure to guide that roster to the very bottom of the league, score as few points as you possibly can within the rules of your league, end up with that 2023 first overall, and finally get that player who would, uh, who, you know, who you were looking for in 2022, who can, um, kind of, you know, redirect the course of your uh, of your roster. Well, for one thing, you're never just that one player. If Ben Roethlisberger is the only thing that keeps you, that will make it so that you're now going to earn the 101, then that 123 first, even the 101, isn't going to be the savior for your team. You're going to mm -hmm. need a lot more pieces than just the one piece. No mm -hmm. dynasty team has ever won or lost or broken over one player. Mm -hmm. 
And so, and so, yes, I do see people trade off a bunch of assets so that then they don't have a lot of scoring and they keep their rookies on the taxi squad, which is legit. Uh, you know, let's say you've got Brees Hall from this year and you just don't want to start him, keep him on your taxi squad. So he's unavailable to you for points. That's a legit strategy if that's what you choose to do. But there's going to be other league mates that are just as bad and, and they may then start trading off assets. It's, it's not necessarily good for the league though. You're going to end up with multiple orphans. I would imagine uh, at some point, my strategy again is reverse engineer from the startup so that you can stay strong for years, for years at a time so that you don't have to rely on just the rookie draft. I never look at rookies as, oh, this guy's an immediate starter. If they are, that's a bonus. That's great. Hmm. But I never bank on it and say, oh, this is my year because now all of a sudden I've got insert name of. Yeah, Brees Hall. I mean, 101. Right. Let's say that you did get Brees Hall this year. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, and he may push you over the edge, but if you were the 101 and you earned it rather than trade for it, you're usually more than just the one piece away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so again, um, I try to trade for picks two to three years down the road from stronger teams, because especially a stronger, older team, at some point the wheels are going to start to fall off. So if you get their pick, their first round pick three years from now, they're throwing it into a trade like it's nothing because it's three years down the road. And to them, it is nothing. Yeah, but it could that could that's where you get those future one on ones for dirt cheap. Yeah. And then it also gives you I mean, future picks are a future first is a first is a first. And the more of them you have, the more you have in your bank account. Mm -hmm. So if you can balance and keep a balanced team and get those future picks judiciously throughout the process then you're cooking with the gas. Yeah. Let's let's stay on that for a minute. On to 2024 sure. a little bit here. Um so if you if if we're calling a 2024 first off uh, first, uh are you willing to value it that way right now? Are you willing to start paying, you know, first round type of prices for um, you know, to add more 2024 firsts? And and you just missed what I said. Remember what I said earlier? I don't overpay for a pick. Right now, the 23 firsts are overvalued. The 24 firsts are at regular value. No, I'm not going to pay up for it. But if somebody's willing to throw it into a deal because mm-hmm. they want to get XYZ player, they treat it like it's a second and I'm getting a first. I value it like it's the 112. Yeah when I, when I'm looking at it as a future pick, but it could very easily end up the one Oh one. It could easily be the one Oh four, one Oh five, somewhere in that range. And it's going to be Mm -hmm. valuable. All I'm saying is the more firsts that you have down the road, the more draft it's cash, right? It's cash. It's either a player that you're going to draft at some point, or it's a value that's going to go up. It's only going to increase. The thing I've 
found in Dynasty is that draft picks will increase. Even in a bad class, I was able to trade some of my first this year while I was on the clock. Mm-hmm. So you would trade right now 2022's 112 for just a random 2024 first? No. I would want the 24 first plus, let's say, a 22 second. I'll say I'll move back. I'll move back a full round in this draft, but give me your 24 first. You got to have two pieces for one or else you're never going to break even. You want to give yourself the best shot to have more assets. Yeah. The problem is I, I don't believe you're going to get that. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think that anybody when is when the one twelve pops up and it's Christian Watson, James Cook, you're telling me you can't find one owner that would give you a 24 first plus. I don't think so. Like a, no. Wait a second. Well, but you no. don't know unless you try. And that's the thing. Most yeah. owners, most owners don't shop and try that. Yeah. And then yeah. If you can't get what you want. Then guess what? Make your pick. Yeah. Or, but yeah and, and you can still negotiate it down a little too, but I just think it's kind of going to be one or the other, you know, it, it, I think first of all, just with the way we're, valuing the 2023 class you know to get a second Again, round most pick people aren't looking most people aren't looking at 2024 or even 2025 people right. that people that typically trade their firsts don't typically value them the way they should be valued yeah they, they're just thinking right now mm-hmm. i just saw somebody trade a future third round pick for a, I think it was a late fourth or an early fifth in the in the draft that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. They traded a future third for what, and that future third will either be somebody can choose to take a Debbie player or a rookie. It will be within that range. But they mm-hmm. traded that pick straight up for a player that I think is just an average Joe that has very little chance of hitting, but they traded away a third round pick, a third round pick, like it's nothing. And that could be a first round Debbie player. Yeah. That could be a 2026 five-star running back. Yeah. Right. But people do it every day, all the time. And every one of my leagues, I see it all the time, John, if you don't shop that 112, and I again, I, what is the point of trading that pick just straight up for a, a future first, random first? Let's say it's a stronger class, and then, but you're kicking the can down the road. You're potentially losing out on the rookie player that's on the clock. Let's say James Cook or Christian Watson. Those guys are typically in that range. Mm-hmm. If those guys do hit, then you've screwed yourself. Right. Yeah. If those guys don't hit, then you've at least just kicked the can down the road and for player that you don't know who it's going to be at some point, and it may end up being better or it may end up being similar, but you didn't get anything for your risk. You're risking trading the pick, so you should get something for your risk. Whether it's a second-round pick or let's say it's an early third, you're gonna, you got to get something on top. But you you get less risk, right? Because 
I mean, let's just say hypothetically, um, you know, just kind of for argument's sake here, let's say five in 2023, we have five first round quarterbacks, five first round running backs. And then we've got the two, you know, two, two wide receivers, let's say Butte and uh, Jackson Ajigbo, for instance, what you essentially did there, even if that pick that you traded for ends up being 112, you essentially just traded James Cook, you know, a year of James Cook or a year of Christian Watson for rookie Jackson Ajigbo. No, no, because we were talking the 24 class, not the 23. Nobody's going to trade you a 23 first straight up for the 112. (laughs) Okay. So we're talking about the 24 class. So you gave up two years of James Cook or Christian Watson Mm -hmm. and kicked the can down the road. That is still risk. It is. And I, and I actually, I mean, I, I agree with this point because I mean, I've written about time value too. It's, it's not just a risk. It's again, it is the amount of time and the number of points that are going to be scored by this player that are not going to be scored by that draft pick. So I, I, I agree in principle with that. Um, I just, it's, I, I, I just think that, um, the combination of how weak this draft class is and how strong we're hearing the next two classes should be is really kind of driving people to give up that risk. Uh, I, and, and I, I, I mean, I kind of go back and forth on it. I, again, I mean, it just kind of playing probabilities, you know, the odds of, of James Cook or the odds of Christian Watson hitting within the next two years. I mean, it, I, I guess they're going to do it. If they're going to do it, it's going to happen in the next two years. I'll grant you that. But the odds of them hitting at all, it just it is so much lower than what it sounds like the prospects that we're going to get in 2024. Their probability is going to be significantly higher. Um, but do you disagree with that? I do. I disagree yeah. with it from the from the standpoint that if somebody wants to trade you to get to that 112 while you're on the clock, mm-hmm. they're going to be the aggressor. They're going to be the one coming to you and say, what do you want? Well, yeah. I want a 24 first plus your 212 in this year's class. Yeah. And the answer is either yes or no. If they yeah. say no, I mean, the 212 to them is really, this is, you already said it's a weak class. So they don't care about the 212. That's just another roster clogger. So to them, they don't really care about their 24 first because that's two years down the road. Mm -hmm. And they think they're going to be a dynasty contender for years in a row. So it's going to be a late first. So again, they're like, I'm getting a late first for a late first. Plus I'm throwing in my second. That's nothing. I'll do it. And then Mm -hmm. if they say no, or they push back, okay, great. Then you take the player or you find another owner. I'm just saying, don't be, don't be a pushover just because this is a weak class Mm -hmm. because there's still guys that are going to hit. Yeah. So if, if you can't get your price, but that is a good way to get, I agree with that to get them right now. And there are a lot of owners in a lot of leagues and I'm in a lot of leagues. There are a lot of owners that would make that trade. Yeah. 
So tell us about the 2024 class. Is it going to be kind of along the same lines as 2023? At least, I, I mean, I, I would imagine, and this kind of goes back to the conversation we had at the very beginning, I would imagine it gets harder to tell the farther out we are. But uh, just kind of knowing what you do know about the 2024 class, um, is it, I, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're, uh, you know, 212 here in, in 2022, that's not a huge amount of value on top of that 2020, that random 2024 first. So, um, you know, it, 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 but it's, it's better than straight up. You're getting a for shot sure. at another player. And because you're not taking that first round pick, you still have the roster space for that second because the first one that you traded for isn't going to take up any roster space. Right. So you're going to get you're going to get a a dice roll on another player. I mean, the one thing that this class, while it it may not be necessarily strong, it is fairly deep. Right. With decent profiles. Not all of them are going to hit. But you could still you you could still hit on the guy at two twelve, yep. and again you've already got the roster spot, so why not at least take the shot? Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I like that part of it. Uh, you know, you you gave up James Cook, you got Snoop Connor. Like the the opportunity is very very similar. So you know the same things have to happen <laughs> for that guy to get any kind of value. So. Um, and you added a 2024 first in order to do that. But I guess I'm, uh, just from a value standpoint, um, you know, we know that we know what 212 could be, but just kind of from a value standpoint, we also know that 212 doesn't represent a whole lot of value. So, um, so I, I like the move. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't think that it necessarily um, you're not you're not necessarily making any kind of um, definitive argument for or against either, you know, 2022 or 2024 with that. And I'm not asking you to, but uh, I am just curious if, you know, is 2024 going to be a strong enough class uh, and and like I said, I mean, if you've got some names for us too, that'd be great. But is 2024 going to be a strong enough class to you know kind of prioritize investing in right now? Because again, it's it's going to be a little bit more expensive than a typical draft pick that's two years out. Well, I think that 2024. I don't want to hype it because classes get hype way too early too fast but sure. i think it's reasonably safe to say that 2024 is looking stronger than 2022 mm -hmm. and you the original question was would you trade the 112 straight up for a future 24 first and i'm saying i want something on top of that yeah so you're probably your your odds of getting a better player two years from now just based on what i see are higher, but I still want that extra piece again because there's still some decent names that'll be there at 212. Mm -hmm. And I've got the roster spot for it. For sure. For sure. And uh, and I and I I I get it. I mean I guess part of part of the point was that 
we're not we're not exactly valuing 2024 first as quote unquote first if we're not going to give you know 112 the last pick in the first round straight up for a 2024 i rarely see that though why would you do that when you can get something else on top of it why would you do that I'm just, I mean, well, yeah, of course. I'm just trying to kind of set a frame of reference as far as value for a 2024 first. And if it's not worth a 2022 first, then, and and I mean, I don't. It is, but I'm saying you wouldn't do that, John. The whole point of the strategy of it is you're trying to give yourself more shots. No, I get that part. I'm just saying that just like I said, just as a, we need, we just need a frame of reference for the value of a pick. Well, and again, you're not going to, you're not going to get that. I will say that, yes, I think the 24 class is going to be stronger than the 22 class. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be as strong as the 23 class though. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a, uh, couple of decent quarterback prospects. There's at least three, if not four decent running back prospects. Two of them have already broken out and shown what they can do. That's Travion Henderson from Ohio state and Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. Those two guys are big and strong and they've got a good freshman year under their belt. Um, And then on top of that, you're going to have, some decent shots at wide receiver. I mean, it's shaping up. And then if you have any 2023 guys that stayed in school, that's going to help strengthen the 24 class a little bit too. There's lots that can happen, but, but yes, um, I I don't want to hype up the class and say it's 25% better than the 22 class. And therefore you should trade all your picks for future picks. I'm just saying, if you have the opportunity at 112 or 110 or 111, mm-hmm. you want to always get gravy on top. You can't just trade it for a future pick and, and call it even because yeah, even if you get a better player a couple years from now, again, just. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, we just need a price point on everything, you know, if that makes sense. And I, I mean, I, I, I get the strategy of saying, you know, get get something extra to make up for the fact that you're taking on some risk for the next two years. You gave up a player who is going to score points for the next two years, you know, while you wait to see even where that pick is, much less make the pick. So, so, you know, that part makes sense. And I think that that's a very important point and a very useful point. And because, Um, because it's a future pick, most people don't have the imagination to think of what that player that they're giving up in the future could end up being where you really start to, where you really start to uh, cook with gas as if that other team ends up struggling in 2023. And all of a sudden that pushes that pick into the top six instead Mm -hmm. of the, instead of the second half of the six. But you yeah. cannot bank on that. You can't guarantee that. And again, right. that's, that's what I mean by the risk. You should get something for your trouble. If for sure. You, if you aren't, if you're just constantly trading straight up, just like I never trade 
a running back for just another running back or a wide receiver for just another wide receiver. Yes. If there's really no difference, then why am I just not keeping my guy? Right. Exactly. Or why are they not just keeping their guy? There's got to yeah. be a value difference. They're perceived or otherwise. Yep. And that's, that's where you've got to look at the market. So as far as advice for your listeners, that's the way you can improve your team is by being patient. Yeah. You could make that pick of Christian Watson and if you can't get the right trade or, uh, you know, James Cook or whoever else may be there that you like, if you can't make the trade that makes sense for you, then sure, by all means, take them, take a shot on them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, like you said, it's always worth the ask. There's absolutely nothing wrong with saying, you know, this is this is what I want to move 112 on the clock. You know, this is, uh, or you know, this is this is what it would take to get me to do that. So, it, you know, it it's it's always worth the ask. But I, I also just think that it's that it's also valuable to, uh, you know, to to kind of give people some guidelines for you know negotiations for counter uh, counter proposals, essentially, because you know if you don't get that. And there's going to be a lot of people who will say, "Yeah, I'm not even trading you a 20." This is this is this is really kind of the 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 point. This is the crux of the whole argument. There are people out there who would not trade you a 2024 first, a random 24 24 first alone for 112. They would rather then make a pick in 2024. Then they're not your target trade partner. Yeah. And then you move on. It's like, okay, I'm right. not going to trade my uh, first round pick, my 112 for a future second. Yeah. For example, if that's what people are valuing, then I'm going to take, I'm going to stay and take the pick. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think that there's that much hatred for this class. I think that when people get on the clock, they get rookie fever. They see it happening. Oh man, I can't believe Christian Watson, who's going to be with Aaron Rodgers, fell this far. I got to get him. What's it going to take? Right. And yeah. Then I'll forget. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very you're possible. Not get a 23 first, forget about it. You're not that's not even in the conversation. But right. That's all I'm trying to say is get the future first while they're still being undervalued or not even thought of, they're an afterthought. Yeah. Uh, but I've in weak classes, I've traded picks while still on the clock. I get a future first plus something, something in this draft or another player or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing. We're, we're really saying the same thing because I, I agree with the principle here. Um, like I said, I just think that there's some, some value in kind of uh, breaking down, you know, what is, what is this future first actually worth and what should it be worth? And I, I, but I mean, it's it sounds like you're being consistent with the idea because, like I said, two twelve isn't that's not a huge that's not a huge value boost on top of a twenty twenty four first. That's not like we're necessarily saying, you know, one twelve is worth you know so much more than a first you know two years from now. We're not even you're not even saying that. So, uh, so I so I think that we're still there. Um, I, I, I would like to do the same thing with 2023. 
uh, if it's okay with you. <laughs> I don't want to. I I don't want to cause too much consternation here. But uh, like I said, I just I feel like there's there's a lot of value in understanding it. I think there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of strategy that can be born from it if you if you are able to you know kind of put a price point on a future draft pick. I think that it gives you a lot of a lot of power in negotiations. Um, whereas, you know, most people are just kind of spitballing. So, well, and again, I, I think that you're putting too much emphasis on you have to have a price point for this or that when every league is its own economy mm-hmm. and what those players, what those other owners will do is different from this other league that I'm in or this other league that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is no definitive. This is valued at $600. Right. And, you know, if, if you don't get that, then whatever. Um, but if your question is, would I trade my 112 straight up for a 23 random first without something on top? For sure, that probably right. would because it's closer. It's a closer, and we have more information about the class. But I don't think anybody would do that because the picks are being overvalued, right? In twenty twenty three, so right. that that's that's my actual question: is what pick in the first round of twenty twenty two? You know, where's where's your where's your cutoff point in the twenty twenty two first round where you would know where you would not trade that pick? for you know just trade out completely for a 2023 first and again that it depends on the league the format and there's too many factors to say definitively really yeah there really is um i mean it feels pretty easy to me i to me it's Brees hall and that's kind of (laughs) it that's like i would not trade the 102 for straight up for a 2023 first Really? That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. I'd rather have Kenneth Walker or uh, Drake London or Traylon Burks and take my shot and take my chances. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for me, it would be probably 109, 110 in that range. But I, I'm not the kind there of person that trades a pick straight up for a pick because it's the same thing as trading a player straight up for a player. Yeah. If they're, you know, and – but that's the thing. I mean, if if that's where you're valuing it, you know, you're you're likely to get uh, you're you're probably going to get more in return. So, well, you know, right, it right. it kind of works it it kind of works towards your strategy too. So, you know, it, it it makes sense to do it that way. It makes sense to kind of um you know, to, to inflate the value a little bit of 2022s, um, because, you know, even though this isn't exactly your goal, you do end up extracting more value in a trade for a 2023. Well, the thing is, is value is all relative. Mm -hmm. If you got a girl at a bar and she's already got three drinks in her because somebody else has bought her drinks, uh, and there's a good chance that you're going to take her home if you buy her one more drink, um, yeah. Then, you know, it, it it's like the closer that you are to something, the more yep. that, Time that value. you understand. Right. And so yeah. 
yes, this class does have overall, because it's mostly wide receivers and very little running backs. But if you're looking for a wide receiver, there's some doggone good ones in here. Yeah. People like Drake London. People like Traylon Burks. People like Garrett Wilson. They like Chris Olave. Those guys could be potential studs for their teams. So are you just going to be a whore and give away your pick just because <laughs> I you know, am. somebody else wants that that player? They get their player and you just get a random, you know, their random first. Yep. I don't, I don't, yeah. that's not the way I roll. So you got to keep value. I mean, you, it's like, you just got to, you can't undervalue or undersell yourself just because the general consensus of the market is that this class sucks. This class yeah. only sucks if you're looking for running backs and quarterbacks. Yeah. If you're looking for wide receivers and somebody covets the wide receiver that's on the clock when you're on the clock. Mm-hmm. And then again, why are you going to give them their favorite wide receiver in the whole world for cheat? Yeah. I mean, I don't care who their favorite wide receiver is. They can... I know that. I'm just saying you can't undervalue the, the pick or the player when it's on yeah. the clock. Yeah. Receiver hits. People will pay the normal price. Yeah. And if they don't, then you get the shot. Who's your favorite wide receiver? Make your pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I mean. I don't like I don't like any of it. No. Uh Garrett Wilson. There you go. Yeah. So uh yeah, if I can't if I can't get uh if I can't get the trade that I want, then I'll take Garrett Wilson. Um all right, no, that's fair. Uh all right, before we before we wrap up, let's just do kind of a palate cleanser here. Okay. <laughs> get on a totally different topic uh and um i'm just curious how scott fishbowl draft is going right now for me yeah well obviously um i'm drafting from the two spot in the little rock division and i think it's actually going pretty well i have josh allen and mac jones as uh we're this is through 11 rounds so far for our, our group so I've got Josh Allen and Mac Jones. I've got Saquon Barkley and A.J. Dillon. Devontae Adams, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, and Darren Waller. How's uh, Is this lining up with any strategies or any plans that you had going in? Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean- <laughs> Excuse me. Here's the thing. So I'm drafting at 112, and I'm getting sniped all over the damn place. And I, I – my uh, – one of my original podcast partners, uh, one of my original co-hosts on uh, Super Flexible before we moved over to DLF and the Super Flex Super Show, Jake Anderson, always said, this is a price of podcasting. Everybody knows what you're going to do. The, you know, the people who don't have podcasts, they still have the element of surprise. We don't right. have that. Right. So I... I and I think that that's playing out for me. I mean, I get sniped all the time in Scott Fishbowl anyways, but like you mentioned, Saquon Barkley, that was a guy that I was targeting at 301 and got sniped on him. So, uh, you know, it's it's not going according, according to plan <laughs> for right. me. So it's not a given, but uh, it sounds like it is for you. Well, <laughs> I did a lot of mock drafts so that I would know who would be there, 
who I would need to be aggressive on. Um, and the thing is, a lot of the people that do those mock drafts are analysts. Mm-hmm. And so, like, always, 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 there were big quarterback runs or big runs here and there. So when you add the fans in and you have the actual real live draft, there's always going to be anomalies and players will fall or uh, – I've been less sniped here in my li- in my real draft than in a lot of the mock drafts that I was doing. Oh, nice. But I also have, in any kind of draft like this, tiers of, of people. And hopefully I am not going to get to the point where there's only one player that I have to get in this position in this spot or else I'm going to cry. And yeah, there've been players. I wouldn't say I was necessarily sniped. I would have loved to have Stefan Diggs. He went one spot before me. It would have been nice to, to uh, stack him with Josh Allen, but I also, I don't like having too many guys from the same team for the same bye week So it, it may end up working out better for me. The thing is, is Scott Fishbowl has so many different teams so much similar teams and you've got to be able to have the kind of team that can separate at some point. Mm -hmm. It's an 11 week season and then it goes right into the playoffs. So bye weeks matter and balance matters. And nobody knows a hundred percent for sure right now, which team is a winning team. I feel good about I'm executing my strategy as far as balance and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. and right. I chose the two spots specifically last year. I was on the later end for that third round reversal this year. I wanted to be on the, the front end. Yeah. Who went at one one Christian McCaffrey. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I um, was pleased to get Josh Allen. I had, yeah. if it wasn't Josh Allen, I had Justin Herbert. Okay. So yeah. Uh, either way, I was going to go quarterback with my first pick, but nice. I I really lucked out to get Josh Allen, and um, I like Mac Jones. I think he's a very uh, he's good with the football. He's a smart guy and doesn't throw the ball into the other guy's hands a lot, which you are definitely penalized a lot in the Scott Fishbowl scoring minus four for interceptions mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah minus half a point for incompletion and a point for a completion or just the opposite, whatever. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I ended up with Mac Jones as my QB too. I've got Russell Wilson, Homer pick, um, and, uh, Mac Jones. Yeah. For the exact same reason, completion percentage protects the football. And I think that there's some, there's, there's more upside there than people think. I think there's more breakout potential than people think. Um, and then, you know, I also, it also was a little bit of a hedge for me because I also got Zach Wilson, who, uh, I mean, you're well aware of my feelings on Zach Wilson going back to last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been kind of calling him the year two breakout. Cougar that, that likes Cougars. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden that BDE is, uh, <laughs> Uh, has has got people back on the bandwagon but i've been driving it all along i didn't know his sexual history i didn't care <laughs> <laughs> just knew that you he can throw before the you knew he was a dog right <laughs> exactly 
<laughs> yeah, it's just a just an added bonus. Um, but yeah, so I, so I I feel like I've got the two quarterbacks most likely to be the big second year breakouts uh, if we get another one of those, assuming we do. Um, I've got the two guys who are the most likely to do that, I think. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, to me, Zach Wilson has the most upside, but, uh, I think that Mac Jones has such a safe floor that I can take that chance with Zach Wilson. So that was kind of the, the quarterback strategy, but yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, um, like I said, it's been kind of brutal. I'm getting sniped all over the place, but eh, the joys. exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm heading back to little rock tomorrow. I can't wait because, um, my three shirts came in and I've got the Arkansas license plate. It's got a razor back on it. SFB 12. So oh, cool. Can't wait. Can't nice. wait. To, can't wait to put them on and post it on Twitter. Yeah. Nice. Wait, where are you now? I'm in Dallas where I live, oh, okay. my, my home, but I've been spending a lot of time. My boyfriend lives over in uh, Little Rock area. So I've been back and forth for the last four months. Nice. Right on. Okay. Um, I haven't been paying attention. Is off the rails still a thing right now? I haven't. Uh, no, we haven't done anything in almost a year. Okay. Okay. Um, so pretty much under the helmet is... Uh, under the helmet and then guest spots here and there. Um, so yeah. 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 I, and uh, you're part of the rotation here at the Superflex super show. So, um, definitely, uh, can find Katie flower here from time to time. Um, but yeah, the under the helmet podcast and, uh, on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar three ninety nine. the diva of Devi. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for, at least trying to set me straight on some stuff. I don't know. We'll see if it takes or not, but always (laughs) worth a shot. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. All good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Always fun talking with you, Katie. Um, And uh, yeah, thank you again for your time. Let's, uh, Let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts. Mega feed. Uh, do me a huge favor and rate and review the Superflex Super Show. It just helps me to get out to more people, touch on more topics that are useful to you, my super friends. You can get at me on Twitter at Superflex Show at Superflex Dude. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Brancatulis. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy. And super flexible.